Hello and welcome to episode 126 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Los Angeles. I am Nathan Fox, and with me in Washington, D.C. is Ben Olson. Are you in D.C., Ben, or are you at home? No, today I'm in D.C. Mm-hmm. Okay, you are in D.C. What's going on in D.C. these days? What is going on? You know, I've totally detached myself from the news. It's Good. like pointless in, in my mind. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, totally, totally agreed. I'm, uh, I'm into just like making real human connections with actual people in your physical space and not really worrying so much about what's going on on the television. Yeah, no, I agree. That's the way to I go. I just don't know that there's anything we can do about the national slash international <laughs> situation. Yeah. We can mock our president all we want, I suppose, but I don't know that that really does any good. No, uh, it doesn't seem to have much of an impact on my life except make me feel surreal, <laughs> like what's going on. So I've just completely disconnected from news and now, uh, yeah, just focus on the LSAT stuff and uh, family stuff. That's it. Yeah, take care of the things that you can actually control. And not worry uh, about all the shit you can't. Yeah. That's probably a good plan. Uh, Today on the show, we are going to answer a whole bunch of listener emails. Uh, We have updates and questions as usual. Any big news in the LSAT? We're used to like news items now. Yeah. I guess nothing nothing big that breaking this last week, huh? No, I mean, we already talked about the July LSAT, right? Last time, I assume? Yep. Okay. Yeah, well, listeners who missed an episode probably would like to know. Uh, that's a good point. They they announced a new the LSAC announced a new test date, and uh, so we have an additional option for taking the test this summer. And I'll give you the date, the brand new date announced on July Monday, July twenty third. There will be an LSAT happening. I wonder if that uh, affects next year, too. Because next year they're going to do March and June and stuff, right? Next so, year it's going to be six tests. Yeah, I wonder if... <laughs> are they are they planning on seven? <laughs> no, They no, just threw it in today. You know, it's weird. I think they might have realized... Remember when they announced how there were going to be six tests this cycle? Uh, no, I don't remember that. Is that what they said? Oh, they, when they announced that they were expanding the number of tests, they they like bizarrely announced that it was a, a, happening like in this admission cycle, mm. and and they like weirdly started the calendar in June and then counted six tests through the end of the following cycle or something, and they were trying to say it was six tests in the 2018 admission cycle, which it's absolutely not because there were only four on the calendar at the time still for 2018. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they might have realized what they did, and they decided to tack on another one this summer. And then, yeah, it's, it's moving to five next year. But the benefits for students are real. Um, I got an email from a dude who is um, studying abroad, and he was going to be in, uh, I forget exactly, I want to say, he, he, like, he was thinking about taking the LSAT in Rome okay. so that he could take the June test. Yeah. And... Uh, when the July test got announced, he immediately sent me an email and he's like, Hey, you know, I I had been thinking about going out of my way to take this test while I'm studying abroad this summer. Uh, I was going to take it in Rome, but now that they announced this July test, what do you think about me? You know, cause it was going to be a big hassle for me to 
I, you know, maybe he was like not in Italy. He was going to just have to go to Rome in order to take the test. And he's like, Hey, what do you think if I, uh, instead just take the July one? And I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know? So that's cool that, that, uh, it's a lot friendlier to, uh, to students that they're going to be able to just have more options and more flexibility. So if you're, you've got a wedding or you've got a trip or whatever things are, in your way now you've got more options to take the test mm-hmm. so that's good news yeah um what is this all y'all that you throw here at the top of the agenda oh yeah so uh chloe who uh is is working here um lsat tutoring and so forth she is from texas and she was saying that uh when she says y'all it means two or three people and <laughs> all y'all <laughs> is like four or more or you know just like a larger number of people and since we've talked about y'all on the on the podcast before i thought <laughs> oh wow like i kind of like the, the sound of all y'all <laughs> yeah all y'all is pretty great i like it yeah and uh there's a little nuance and meaning there apparently so we can y'all can come with me if you want actually all y'all can come with me if yeah. you want <laughs> that's cool all right, I like that. Yeah, I, 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 y'all needs to. There needs to be more y'alls in the world. I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, alrighty, we have a uh, follow up update here to for Wicked. Everybody's going to get annoyed with hearing Wicked's updates because they're all so good. Um, <laughs> remember, Wicked is a one seventy nine LSAT, right, and yeah. a three point nine or something like that GPA, something crazy. Yeah. Uh, addendum, I got accepted to Columbia with a half-tuition scholarship and to Michigan with a full-tuition scholarship and a stipend. Note that the latter is the school to which I sent an essay, which was specifically for the scholarship that I ended up getting with two typos. These are exciting and forgiving times. We we mentioned, we we read her email where she was panicked about the typos that she had put in her scholarship essay and uh there are two typos in the same essay and nonetheless she's getting a full tuition and stipend from michigan yeah that's because she has 179 and a 3.9 and is just a excellent candidate in all other ways so plus if you're worried about two typos that means you've probably worried about the more substantive things that really matter in your essays right (laughs) well and you also caught the 20 other typos the people who look at their thing and think it's perfect they're the ones that aren't seeing the 15 typos that are just right there sitting in it. Yeah. So she caught the two typos because she caught the other 30 that she already got rid of. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. She's an excellent candidate and things are going to work out very well for her. So congratulations. Um, yeah. Congrats. W- wicked. This, this next, uh, email, <laughs> What, yeah, what are you laughing about? It's funny. Oh, it's the next just, email. Yes, yes, the fact that this next email even exists is funny. Yeah. So in it says, inspired by episode one twenty two, I've written a letter to the LSAT. This is not to LSAC, not to the council, but to the <laughs> test itself, an inanimate object. I think yeah. it helped me reduce some stress. So I think in one twenty two we were talking about um, what expository? No, not expository writing, or just like writing what. What was that kind of writing called? Where you just say how you're feeling or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, 
exploratory <sighs> writing. Maybe I, I feel like it started with E, but whatever it was, you sit down and you write about your feelings about the test like that you're expressive about to test. Expressively. Expressive. Yeah, yeah. You write expressively about the way you feel about the LSAT because someone said that there had been some like uh, reduction of anxiety and uh, score gains from from people writing um, writing out their thoughts and feelings. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what Kyle does. <laughs> so this is what Kyle writes. He writes, "Dear LSAT, this relationship has been rocky. I have mixed feelings about you. First, what I love about you You've pushed me to improve my critical thinking. You've always evaluated me fairly, and you have never coddled me or told me I'll magically improve without working hard. You tell me where the problems are, but let me figure out how to fix them. You let me improve the kind of thinking I'll need as a lawyer. Lastly, you will tell admissions officers guarding elite schools your honest appraisal of my ability to do well in law school. I love you for your honesty and unsaleable integrity. <laughs> However, you give me arbitrary amounts arbitrary amounts of time to figure out your games. You give me more clues than others have been with to solve your games, but not as much time. Sometimes I don't come others I've been with. Oh, I've been Give me more clues than others I've been with <laughs> to solve your games, but not as much time. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> Sometimes I don't comprehend your dense and technical monologues, but you have high expectations that I will understand your main points and recall important details. Maybe the faults I raised say more about me than you. I want this to work, and I will show you my dedication to solving you and understanding you. Thank you, Elsat. You make me want to be a better man. <laughs> Love, Kyle. <laughs> Oh, I think it's excellent. Uh, you know, he he's he is demonstrating a lot of. Uh, I think it's a little bit insightful, especially the bit at at the the very beginning. I like the "You have never coddled me or told me I'll magically improve without working hard." Yeah, that's that's that seems it shows that he's got a little bit of insight. You know, like he's. He's acknowledging that it's him, not the test, that it's him. Mm -hmm. Like, that you can figure it out and that you can understand it and that it does make perfect sense. Mm -hmm. And that you you don't, uh, yeah. Coddling is not really helpful when it comes to the LSAT, I think. Yeah. As a teacher, I uh, sometimes catch some heat for not coddling people. Sometimes people want to be coddled more than I am really willing to coddle them. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think they need to be like shaken out of this <clears throat> relativistic <laughs> mindset where it's right because you decide it's right, like you think it's right. This is my opinion. Mm-hmm. The LSAT is just not a test of opinion or like values. Yeah, it's not about what you think. It's about logic and reason mm-hmm. and what's on the page and figuring it out, like reading it and actually understanding it and figuring it out. And so, yeah, Kyle is uh, feeling that he's been roughed up a little bit by the test, <laughs> but <laughs> he seems like he's realizing that he, he, yeah, he can improve his critical thinking. Yeah. And he knows that hard work is going to help him improve. So 
Yeah, I like it. It's beautiful. He also <laughs> says, you've always evaluated me fairly. You know? Yeah. And a lot of people, they don't like questions on the LSAT. They think, they think that they're unfair or, you know, subjective. Uh, something that the test writer might think is right, but not necessarily other people. But when you really dig into their concerns, they end up agreeing that the test has given them the best answer, even if it's not a perfect one. Right. And also, if you put, you know, a hundred uh, <clears throat> LSAT experts in the room, 98 of them are going to arrive at the same answer. Mm-hmm. And so it it is the best answer. I mean, that's an that's an an objective measure, right? Of of what the best answer is. If if the vast majority of the people who are good at the test have an have an agreement, yeah, that's not just like one person's subjective opinion. That's that's the opinion of everyone in the room on, on the whole by far. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, thank you, Kyle, for sharing your. Expressive writing. Thank you for sharing your, your love letter to the LSAT. Um, let's see. Ravinder, follow-up email from Ravinder. So this is from a previous email. Listener, thanks for the reply. That sounds like a pain in the ass to get the licensing. Oh, yeah, that's why we can't talk about real LSAT questions on the podcast. Yep. Um, <clears throat> because of the LSAT Uh, LSAT licensing issue. You guys are way too modest about the free stuff you provide online. I have started using Ben's score tracker and it is great. It helps keep my scores organized and the explanations are helpful. I recently listened to the last episode, 123, where you guys discussed Splitty or Spliffy? No, it's not Spliffy, it's Splitty. The thing is, I did not hear the writer mention that the articles he was publishing were peer-reviewed by other scientists or published in a reputable scientific journal. Two very important factors. Anyone can publish an article for a fee in a non-reputable journal. Below is a short NPR article you can read and get the idea. It's actually pretty funny, and the article will make you think twice next time you hear someone reference a study that was done. And then we have a link. Um, We'll put this link in the show notes. But, um... Since we got this email from Ravinder, we've actually seen Splitty's resume. Yeah. What did you think about that? Uh, it was overwhelming, honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kind of had the same reaction that we had on the show. I was like, what? <laughs> it looks like equally fake once you see it, except for the fact that it exists <laughs> makes me think it's not fake. But then it when you start reading it, it's just like, how is it even possible that this could have popped? I don't know. It just, it's, it's, it just, it does. It seems impossible. Does, does Splitty even sleep? Like I, all the articles that he contributed to or wrote were alone. It seemed enormously time consuming. I, I don't know. Like maybe he's just contributing like a paragraph or something. <laughs> One thought. Uh, on I don't the issue. know. I don't know. There's, you know, people with really impressive resumes are are really impressive. They have really impressive shit, right? There's like astronauts who are also concert pianists. Yeah. And um yeah, there are people who achieve uh greater things than us mere mortals could possibly imagine. Yeah. 
Elon Musk is just like blasting cars into space for just because he can. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> Simultaneously landing rockets next to each other <laughs> because he can. <laughs> Rocket ballet. I mean, I don't know. Badasses are are badass. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I just saw a commercial and I was having a little trouble kind of getting my mind wrapped around it now that it's that hard but have you seen this ad that he's like selling flamethrowers now oh he sold them out already no i don't watch tv but i um or let yeah or youtube or i I never see advertisements thank god but i i uh i do follow him on twitter and so he he was sort of like tweeting the updates on how many flamethrowers he had sold but no he sold like thousands of them so um so that's i'm still just like what what's What's the point of a of a flamethrower other than it's for the boring company. You know, the boring company is one of his businesses. That's the one that's like digging tunnels yep. underneath yep. cities and mm-hmm. stuff to make his little hyperloop or <laughs> to whatever. To put the like sled so I can go to a parking garage looking structure, go down an elevator, put my park my car, drive my car onto a sled and then just get blasted at 100 <laughs> miles an hour underneath the city of Los Angeles <laughs> and emerge downtown 10 minutes from now. <laughs> Good job, Elon. That was very nice. Um, yeah, the Boring Company. He sold a bunch of hats. They said, like, Boring Company on them. Mm-hmm. And but then they decided to also sell flamethrowers that say the Boring Company. Uh, I think it's because he can. It's because he because people want to buy a flamethrower from Elon Musk that says the Boring Company on it. <laughs> I'm just waiting and for he, someone to, like, I just, I, you know, some sort of accident with that. Like, it just seems... <laughs> Seems dangerous. <laughs> well, that's the point. He's got people talking about him. He's he's uh, you know he's a marketing impresario, impresario, um, as well as a genius who solves Australia's like power crisis or whatever the hell that whole story was. That was like insane. Did you read that thing? No, he did. No. Oh, he just like took some contract to build some insane power bank in Perth, Australia, which is like out in the middle of fucking nowhere. You know, it's just like the wrong side of Australia, middle of nowhere. And I think it was in Perth. I don't know. I'm making things up now. But he basically took a contract where if he didn't get the whole thing done in 30 days, there was going to be no fee associated with it at all. Mm, mm-hmm. And And it was just like this impossible task. And he just... They just did it. They just <laughs> killed it. <laughs> just, just, just completely destroyed. Wow. <laughs> um, did exactly what they said they were going to do in less time than they promised. And yeah, he's just, he's a very capable guy. <laughs> yeah. You might want to keep an eye on him. He's, <laughs> he's going places. He, he's going places. Yeah. Not quite there yet, but. <laughs> He's going places, like literally going to Mars. Yeah. He's going to like get in a rocket and fly himself to Mars <laughs> is what's going to happen <laughs> because he can. Yeah. Um, Along with yeah. with Splitty. So. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Should we move on? Sure. So the next one, Ben and Nathan. First off, thank you for the material you guys are providing since January two thousand eighteen. Last for okay for the last month, I have started yeah. listening to your podcast, the Thinking LSAT podcast. It's a great resource to listen to when I cannot be in front of my laptop or have LSAT material readily open at work. <laughs> 
yet another person who studies the LSAT at work. Yeah. Currently, I have been working through Ben's strategy prep free course. I finished the June 2007 LSAT and got a disconcerting score of 141. See below for more information on my score. Yet I'm moving forward with my studies, canning the Kaplan LSAT study guide, and moving forward with the resources you guys provide. More likely, once I have finished your free material, I will be opting to gather some money to access your courses. At the moment, I have noticed in Ben's videos, LR section, that he will mention or ask the students what type of answers, strong, weak, or null, we, the test takers, should be looking for. I don't think I've ever used the word null before. Sorry for the pause there. I'm wondering if you could point me in the direction of that video or lesson. Hope you can help. Thank you again for everything. Michael. So, yeah, Michael, thanks for using the, the online tool, free course. That's great. I would just say that um, focusing on whether the answer choices tend to be strong or weak is something to be aware of, but it's really far less important than just really understanding the passage and trying to predict what kind of answer you want to predict the answer. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I do it on the last day. Well, I do it whenever we when I formally present one of the question types, I'll, I'll, one of the things I will talk about is whether it is sort of in the strong answer camp or the weak answer camp. Yep. And on the last night, last day of class, I, I put it up on the whiteboard, like, Hey, here's all the strong answer types and here's all the weak answer types. Yeah. But that is never my first line of attack. Um, I, this is the kind of thing that you do when you've narrowed it down to two and you really can't tell the difference between the two on the merits. Mm-hmm. And if you can't figure out a way to lean one way or the other, if it's a must be true question, you could lean toward a more weakly stated answer because it's easier to prove something weakly stated. If it's like a strengthen question or a weaken question, where it's asking you to change the argument, you lean toward a stronger answer because a stronger answer is going to change the argument more. Yeah. So which one, but, which one fine if true uh, answer choices tend to be stronger right. because they do more to strengthen or weaken or whatever. Right, right. Yeah, whereas the top-down question type, like must be true, um, flaw, strategy of argumentation, all the ones that are asking you to describe what's in the argument, mm-hmm. which one of the, you know... Uh, if the above statements are true, which one of the following statements must be true? Mm-hmm. It must be true question. It's a lot easier to prove something weakly stated, so you'd look for a weaker answer there. Yeah. But students uh, tend to make too much of this, right? And cap, uh, here we got Michael, who's like at the beginning of his prep, who's scoring a 141, and he's wanting to get to this like sort of gimmicky thing of strong versus weak. Yeah, it sounds like this is sort of my fault because I I ask about it at the beginning of uh, an explanation. Um, uh, I'm really just uh, tapping in to see if they know the implications of the question type, yep. but it's secondary to the content. Yeah, I fall into that trap too sometimes. Yeah, it'll I'll I'll be like, well, what are we looking for on this type of question? And it's because I want to do some instruction about the question type. Yeah. But I don't want to. Yeah, I think sometimes students falsely get the get the impression that that's the first thing I'm thinking about mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on that question type, and it's certainly not the case. It's it's one of the things, and it's a secondary or tertiary consideration, not the first thing. Yeah. 
So, Michael, you've got other other stuff to worry about um, before this becomes a huge issue. Remember that it's like after you've attacked the argument, after you've understood the question, after you've made a prediction, after you've looked at the answer choices, you know, then start thinking, ah, well, do I want a stronger, a weak answer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for writing, Michael, and good luck uh, going forward. Hope you find our courses useful. So. Yeah. All right. Hi, Ben and Nathan. The background. I took the December LSAT and scored 165, up from 161 on the September test. Sweet. I have a 3.78, and I'm about 10 years out of school. I only mention that because I've heard law schools may then see the LSAT as a better indication of my abilities. Um, yeah, I think the longer you're out of school, the more they're going to care about the LSAT and the less they're going to care about your GPA. But they're still going to see that high GPA and know that you did well in school before and are probably going to do well again. I mean, the assumption is that you've only gotten better, probably. Yeah, these are equally great credentials. 3.78 is a fine GPA and 165 is a fine LSAT score. Mm -hmm. And you are a fine candidate. Um, I was planning to apply for this fall, but I recently decided to hold off and apply at the beginning of the next cycle for 2019. Smart. Yeah. That's going to work out very well for you. I was originally a Kaplan student. I started listening to your podcast after the September test. I watched Nathan's free class, but not Ben's. I know, I know, I should have done both. I was really struggling with Kaplan's reading comp strategy, and I was able to use yours pretty effectively on the December test, up from minus 9 on September to minus 2 in December. That's nice. That's an entire passage worth of questions. Mm -hmm. I kept the strategies for LR and LG that I had learned from Kaplan, however, and I saw a dip in LG from minus 3 to minus 8. Question. I wasn't planning to, and I would really like to be done with this test, but should I retake in June? I'm wondering if something as simple as not reading the question stem first in LR and buying your books slash watching your videos on LG would really improve my score that much, or if I should just stick with the pretty decent score I have. The other complicating factor in this decision is that I've used pretty much all the recent practice tests, some of them more than once, and I'm not exactly sure how effective it will be to use those materials again. Also, I know the February test is not disclosed, so I won't have any additional materials to work with before June. Question two, if I do retake and, worst case scenario, my score goes down, will law schools view that as poor judgment, or will they not care and just look at the 165? Let me know your thoughts, thanks, and thanks for the podcast. Laura. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I think they're going to care most about your highest score, so... Taking it again is almost always yes, take it again. Especially since you're planning to apply the next cycle and June is early in that cycle, super early. There's really no downside to taking it in June and there's a huge upside. If your score improves, even just two points, that could be significant. Yeah, I mean, are you worried about the fact that she has exhausted all of her tests no not at all uh tests that she's taken before even the like the most recent ones like let's say for example she took test 
81. It's a very, very recent test. And let's say she got a 165 on it, right? Well, that means she did well, but she also missed a ton of questions. And if she sat today, right now, and took it again, my guess is that she would not get a 180. She might get a 172, 174. Who knows? That would be awesome. It would reflect that she had learned something from that test after she reviewed it. But she's still missing questions that she's seen before and supposedly reviewed. So what's going on? Why are you missing those? What can you learn from that? It's not about being a score indicator because, sure, you've seen that test before. So that's not like the real thing. Uh, When you take the test officially, you will never have seen it before. So your score is going to be skewed upward. But we don't take tests to get scores. We take tests to learn things. And so you take that test. You take that time section. You learn from it. And you learn from your mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. People, I think, way overestimate the importance or of diagnostics and like, well, I've already done all these tests, so now I can't ever use them again. Yeah, I, I don't care so much about what the score is. I care about, hey, why did you miss this one? And if you missed it, you can get better. And games, I mean, listen, she got a 165 with minus eight on games. Lots of room for improvement there. That's a great candidate for improvement. I mean, most people who score 170 are going to do that by scoring perfectly on games. Yeah. So, and 170, 165 is a great score, but 170 is a lot better. Yeah. And so, the, there's nothing but upside here for, for Laura. Um, you've got the June test possible. You've also got the July test now possible. Mm-hmm. You've also got the September test possible. And you can still apply before Halloween for the 2019 cycle. Yeah, I'm not saying take it three more times. I'm just saying one or more of those dates ought to work out for you pretty well. Mm-hmm. And you could perfect logic games between now and then. And there's a non that's not like guaranteed that that'll happen. Yeah, but people aren't going to get worse. I mean, she's actually scored minus three before, and and she got minus eight on this actual test. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. It just looks like a clear candidate for improvement. At this point, she's going to go to a great law school, but with a 170, she could go to like an elite law school or get a full ride and a stipend somewhere. Yeah. And so I just, boy, I, I don't see why you wouldn't. Other than like time and effort, tiny bit of money relative to the full ride and stipend you might end up getting. It just seems like a pretty, pretty good bet, Mm -hmm. right? It's like an investment that you make in yourself and it's like, well, it doesn't pay. It doesn't like not guaranteed to pay off, but if I devote 50 hours or a hundred hours worth of studying and some money for the materials or instruction and uh, some time to take the test and I end up getting five more LSAT points, I mean, that's just worth like $50,000, $100,000. Yeah. So, um, yeah, by all means, Laura, go ahead and do it. Cool. Thanks for writing. Uh, The next one, greetings, Ben, Nathan. One, how do people usually contribute money to the podcast? Well, that's a great way to start an email. (laughs) (laughs) Even better would be, here's money. Here's money. (laughs) That's still pretty good. I just found it about two weeks ago when I got bored of studying and still wanted to feel like I was doing something else that related. I find it enjoyable and informative. 
well, thanks to Matt. Matt uh, just set up. Was it Patreon? Is that how you say that? Um, I always have wanted to say, to say Patreon. Patreon. But okay. <clears throat> no, but it might. It's probably Patreon because it's like patron. Yeah. It's probably Patreon. Yeah. Okay. So he set up a Patreon account for us. It's Patreon. P A T R e o n dot com forward slash thinking lsat if you go there you can start uh donating to the podcast um let's see here we have different categories actually you could donate a dollar a month all the way up to fifty dollars a month depending on your level of insanity depending on how much value you think you're getting out of the show and how much you want to help us we have uh we have a few hundred dollars a month worth of expenses to defray. So yeah. you're not going to be making us rich by sponsoring us on Patreon. Uh, Patreon. Patreon? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we really appreciate all the support. And so since you're asking, um, that we gave you a way to do it. Yeah. Uh, number two, I am in somewhat of a weird situation. I'm a junior in undergrad in an accelerated graduation program for pre-law students. Ooh. Okay. I, I Sorry, I just have a sort of a gut reaction to anything that's sort of pre-law oriented. I'd rather someone just get a major in like chemistry or physics or philosophy or psychology, not pre-law. Well, especially starts making me queasy when I hear this next part. Basically, I have the option to go to my university's law school in fall of 2018 if I score above a 153 on my LSAT. Yeah, so they're hoping to continue to get money from you. They got money from you for undergrad, and now they're saying, please continue to send us money. We have this great system in place where all you have to get is a 153, which suggests your school is not necessarily churning out a lot of people who can end up really practicing law. Uh, I'd be afraid to see what their uh, bar passage rates are. Yeah, it seems like it's an okay law school, most likely. And they're like, hey, if you just get this mediocre LSAT score, don't worry about it. You don't have to prep for it too much. If we go, maybe go on a little bit sure. further with the email. I scored just a few points above that on a Kaplan-sponsored practice LSAT they offered at my school. Thankfully, they did not rope me into buying a book or a class from them. However, since I got above the 153 without any preparation, I have not been studying super hard and just focusing on my normal cor- coursework. You're giving up so it's, many but that's exactly the Yeah, that's exactly the trap, right? It's just like, oh, well, we'll just make this easy so you could be lazy. Oh, focus on your classes. Yeah, which I mean, you sh- not that you shouldn't focus on your classes, but it's just like, hey – don't worry, you can just cruise right into our mediocre law school. Yeah. It'll we'll make it easy for you. You know, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to prep. Oh, you don't have to buy all oh, those applications for all those other schools. That's going to be whew. <laughs> You know, or if you don't do this special program, you know, then then you'd have to apply. And uh, you know, we evaluate our applications very seriously. Burr, burr, burr. You know, like yeah. we we, you, we, you may or may not be admitted if you do the normal application process, but uh, with this special program, since you're an undergraduate here, if you do the accelerated program, we, you know, we could admit you. It's like special treatment. And really what they're doing is they're trying to get you to not prepare for the LSAT, not apply other schools, not have other offers. And then, yeah, of course they're going to admit you 
and charge you full price, most likely. Yeah, this is like walking by a UP, USPS store, right? The United States Postal Service office. <laughs> and I love an analogy. I, I can't wait. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> and, you know, normally when you think about the USPS, you're thinking, oh, geez, if I go in there to mail anything, I'm going to be standing in line for like 30 minutes and then they're going to then I'm going to get to the front of the line and they're going to tell me, oh, you need to go back and, and fill out this form over here. And you fill it out and you can't save your si- spot in line. So now you have to go in the line again, right? And everybody's cranky and no one <laughs> knows what they're doing. But in any case, so you're thinking to yourself, oh, I hate going in that place, but I have to send this letter. So then um, they put this sign out front that says, this is a special USPS store. You don't have to wait in line. You can just come right in, and you're, you're like, "Oh wow, I could just go right in there." And but you're forgetting that you're still going to have to pay for whatever you're sending, and it's still going to be shipped by USPS, which means it may not get there, right? So <laughs> you haven't really, like, you've been tricked into like going into this place to solve your problem, and it's a place that can't really solve your problem. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Shitting on the United States Postal Service. Um, yeah, I, it's I, when when I I mean because the truth is that like he he says he scores he scored a few points higher. So I'm guessing a 156. Yeah. Cold diagnostic. A 156 cold diagnostic is somebody who. Like you should be able to get a 166 if you prep. Yeah. And a 166 would launch this kid into like an entirely different world of schools. Yeah. Mm. So Alec continues. Um, When I study, I mostly focus on practicing games since I did so poorly on the analytical reasoning section. Oh, that's even (laughs) one more reason to keep preparing right because yeah he, he's already a great candidate for improving and now because games is his weakest section he's an even better candidate to improve i'm taking the february l set on the 10th not very stressed about it since i'm so young but figured i might as well take it so that if i score well then i solidify having this strange option for next fall have you ever seen this situation before any advice yeah don't go to your law school period. Uh, yeah, I think you can go to a much better school. Yep. I, I just, I mean, we don't know what school he's talking about, We don't, but oh, I don't know. I mean, for sure, don't pay for your school. Like, you're, you're a full ride at your school, or you're not going there at all. Yeah. Another thing, thing to think about here is that you're going to have to work your butt off as an attorney for your entire career. And what you're basically doing is you're trading a few months of leisure for a lifetime of subpar experiences since you're not necessarily going to the best school you can go to for the best price. And so you need to take some of the work that you're going to do in the future and bring it to yourself right now and bring your LSAT score up into the mid-160s, if not the 170s. And then... Go on and make a great career of this, or realize that law school is not for you and do something else. Yeah. Alex taking the test three days from now, which is fine, 
by all means, you know, take the LSAT, retake it in June, July, get the best score you possibly can, and then apply broadly at the beginning of the next cycle. Take a year off. You're only 20 years old. Mm. Is that what it says? Uh, junior. I don't know. Or junior, just a junior. So we assume 20, 21 years old. Oh, my God. Take a year off. Apply broadly. Give yourself lots of options. If you end up going back to this school a year later, fine. But do it knowing what your value is in the marketplace. Like you need to be, you need to declare yourself a free agent, dude. You don't need to be just like locked into one school and only have one option. You you need to give yourself all kinds of options. You're a really good candidate Mm -hmm. and they're trying to poach. I mean, I don't, Hey, I understand their motivation, right? Yeah. Alex, a great candidate. Sure. They want to get him to go to their school. And they also want him to, ideally pay them to go there mm-hmm. and a good way to get him to go to pay them to go there is to just like hey we got this special program you can sneak right in you don't even have to prepare like just get a 153 come on in yeah and meanwhile they're in the back room like rubbing their hands together with glee <laughs> yeah about their steel that they got yeah cool alec continues i know i have a lot I have lots to consider tuition scholarship post-law school plans Post-law school, I plan on practicing criminal defense. Okay. Hmm. It has been something I have been interested in since early high school. I am going to bet lots of money, Alec, that that might change once you go to law school. Currently, I am working at the public defender's office. Hmm. Wow, okay. Helping build relationships between attorneys and the defendants, and I find it very fulfilling. Maybe not. I stand corrected. Uh, Alec seems to know more about this than I thought. I assumed it was just some sort of... Early high school impression of criminal defense, but maybe he really knows what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, there are rare people who know what they're what, what they want to do with their life in high school, and actually, that turns out to be the thing they want to do. Yeah, most people don't. Most people change. Most people reinvent themselves like over and over and over again. Yeah, as they age. Yep. So you need to be planning for you know. 40-year-old Alec is going to look back at 20-year-old Alec and you wouldn't even recognize each other on the street. Yeah. So um, you you want to – I mean, a career in public service is awesome. I mean, being I, – I could see being a public defender and having that be a very fulfilling career. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they do not make a ton of money and you do not want to borrow a shit ton of money in order to pursue this career. Like you want, and, and don't let them bullshit you with all the public interest, loan repayment, loan forgiveness, all that shit. That's so speculative, Mm -hmm. whether those programs are even going to exist. You need to just not sign your name on the dotted line in the first place. Um, Alec, you're very clear. Like you should be going to law school for free. Yeah. So just go to law school for free. And that means get a great LSAT score, apply broadly. You can probably go to a better law school than your university's law school. You can probably go to a better law school for free. Yeah, for free. Yeah. Don't pay for law school. Next one. Yeah. Dear Nathan and Ben, you helped me convince my dad to reconsider his mandate that my brother and I go to law school. Whoa. (laughs) A mandate? <laughs> so the first time anyone has convinced a dad of anything. Um, my dad always wanted me and my brother to go to law school. And my dad is not a lawyer. He just loves Better Call Saul and wants his kids to be, quote, successful, 
so that he can gloat at his golf games. <laughs> wow. That sounds a lot like my parents. They were super proud of me when I was talking about going to law school. Yeah. And when I went to law school, they thought that was awesome. Little did they know that I would definitely not turn out to be a lawyer. Now they're, now they're not proud of me. Again. <laughs> the, um, the balance in the universe has been restored. Yeah, yeah. Now we're back to, now we're back to the, all, all is right. All is right with the world. They, they consider me to be like a washout, I'm sure. Um, after unwrapping 14 shirts from the top 14 law schools for Christmas... I knew I had to talk to my dad about this law what? school mandate. <laughs> WTF. What a huge waste of money. Yeah. To buy 25 buy a $25 t-shirt, $30 t-shirt from each of these 14 law schools when you're only going to go to one of them anyway. Yeah. What the hell are you going to do with all these stupid t-shirts? <laughs> oh boy. Um, I knew I had to talk to my dad about the law school mandate. Armed with thinking LSAT knowledge and valuable insights from Anne Levine's books, I made my case against going to law school. I wasn't sure I thoroughly convinced them at first. Just this week, though, my brother told me he withdrew from the February test. He is going to be with his wife in Mongolia and teach English in Japan. My dad, too, emailed me saying he wants me, for once, to make my own decision. Even though I convinced my brother otherwise, I'm still signed up for the February test. I'll apply this September. Your podcast and my research have made me cognizant of what I'm getting into, and I know I want to attend. Thanks again. I won my first case that just so happened to be against my dad. Best, Annalisa. Cool. Um, that's good news. I mean, if you've, like, yeah to realize that you have a choice and then to still make that choice. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, that is great. And if, if your brother realized he has a choice and decided not to do it even better. Mm -hmm. Um, PS, do you think it would be useful to make a thinking else at social media group? Uh, what does that mean? I don't know. Facebook group, uh, some sort of a group, Google group. <laughs> Uh, yes, Annalisa, do it. Wait, I think this would be helpful um, if she's talking about like a Facebook Facebook group, but I think Matt just made one. Oh, okay. So maybe look for well, that and see if you uh, can join that. We'd love to have you. Yeah, we love this suggestion. Um, it's just that we, neither of us, are really good at or interested in social media. So um, y'all are going to have to do it. All y'all. <laughs> All y'all are going to have to do it. Um, we're not going to do it for you. So, I mean, it sounds like Matt, yeah, Matt's better at these kinds of things, but um, we uh, we can do a little bit to assist, and, and we would certainly love it if you guys did it, and we would probably participate to some extent, but uh, we're not going to like be really out there carrying the ball. Somebody, <laughs> the listeners are going to have to do it. I think it's a great idea. I mean, study partners are worth their weight in gold, so... Um, yeah, by all means, if you guys want to connect with each other, that would be that would be excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Next one. Hi, Ben and Nathan. Thanks to both of you for producing such a wonderful podcast. Your insightful tips and calm, mellow voices have helped me immensely in my LSAT prep so far. <laughs> okay. This is uh, this is uh, this is almost up there with uh, what was that one? The, the dear kind sirs. 
You remember <laughs> the one from yeah. India? <laughs> uh, yeah. I listened to every episode. Wait, what? Mellow voices. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I listened to every episode at double speed, and I love how both of you sound like maniac geniuses in double speed while giving your LSAT and general life wisdom. Oh, we have general life wisdom. That's it's good to hear. At least some people consider. So on it. the one hand, we have calm, mellow voices. Yeah. But on the other hand, this listener is listening to us in double speed to make us sound like manic geniuses. <laughs> hey. Okay. Um, I'll, also, I'll also add that now when I occasionally do slow the speed down to one one speed or whatever, normal speed, each of you sounds like you're stoned in comparison to the double rate emoji. Emoji? Smiling. I think there was supposed to be an emoji in there somewhere. I don't. I don't know. The power of relatively relativity is real, folks. I finished listening to episode one twenty four about an hour ago, and I have a few suggestions for the end of your show. Hmm. One, it would be nice for you to reiterate the episode number at some point during your endnote. Okay, that's easy enough. I know I'm writing about my personal experience, but I imagine my podcast consumption habits mirror many of our your other listeners. I often listen while driving. It would be helpful for you to repeat the number again to give the listener another reminder about which episode is about to wrap up so they know if their podcast app is fucking up the queue of episodes. <laughs> okay? This way, it'll be easier for the listener to keep their eyes on the road since they won't have to reference their phone's screen for this information. Yes, <laughs> okay. we will definitely do that to save lives. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, cool. So we'll add the episode number. Two, I object to Nathan's preferred goodbye. It was nice knowing ya. <laughs> you. Should, it was nice knowing you, all y'all. Uh, saying... <laughs> We'll see you next time or something similar would create a much more positive vibe and would give the listener a reminder to check the podcast the following week for the new episode. Just my two cents. Okay? Nathan, oh, this is a note specifically for you. You always mm-hmm. mentioned that you scored higher on actual, the, on actual exam day than you did on any of your practice tests. How many points did you exceed your high by on test day? Uh... I don't know because I I think I maybe only ever did like one full PT. Mm. Like I did one full PT and then I I sort of brushed up a little bit on LR and I had a lot of work to do on games. Yeah. So I want to say that I scored like 168 or something like that on a PT and then I never did any other PTs again until I scored 179 on the real. Hmm. Uh, cool. So this this uh, correspondent continues. That is mighty impressive, Ben. I'm also curious if your exam day score was within your practice range, or if you too exceeded your top practice test score. I'm confident that the Zen like approach both of you have to the LSAT will help those of us writing the exam in February to stay cool, calm, and collected on the big day. Uh, I hope it does help you stay cool, calm, and collected on the big day. I was, yeah, I mean, I got a 176 and I was scoring, that was where I was scoring range-wise. You know, it scores above that, it scores below that. So it was just a, a normal score for where I was at. Okay. Um, regarding Halo Top, he continues, I'm a huge fan. While there is a noticeable trade-off in no. taste. 
<laughs> it is still pretty damn good. No, it's not. It's garbage. Uh, I have not tasted Halo Top at all, so I can't contribute to this conversation, but I can imagine that if it's sweetened by something fake, well, how do they make it taste good? What do they add to it? It doesn't have cream in it, dude. Oh, It's gosh, fucking not no. ice cream. That is not it's ice not cream. Not yes, ice cream. that is the definition of ice cream. So it is some sort of uh, sugary water. Sure. It's fucking garbage, dude. It's no it's Ben so and Jerry's. Or anything for that matter. Listen to this is actually this is a perfect anti Halo Top <laughs> sales pitch. Listen to what he says here. This is this is disgusting. Go okay, ahead. sure. It's no Ben and Jerry's, but for two hundred and eighty to three hundred and twenty calories for an entire pint, I'll take it. I love getting a large quantity of volume per calorie in the food I eat. So I <laughs> sorry. So I enjoy knowing that I can devour four to five pints for the same caloric load that I'd get from downing a pint of traditional ice cream. <laughs> Dude, I am so not into like calorie reduced foods, period. No, me either. It's disgusting. And look, like just- this is the point, right? If you're gonna <laughs> if you're still gonna end up eating the same amount of calories I don't. I don't know. I don't see the point. It, yeah, you know what else has a lot of uh, volume per per calorie? Right. Sand. <laughs> Just eat eat sand. You could eat as much as you want. You can eat like the whole fucking desert, and it's not going to have as much as a caloric load as a pint of ice cream. Um, Dude, we're going to need a disclaimer on this show. This is like none of our advice. Don't eat sand. No, like just you know, we we're not health professionals, etc. You know how they say that? They're like, don't take this advice without talking to your physician. Anyways, um, yeah, that's a good point. Eat sand. Mm-hmm. Do you ever do that? I would, that and eating Halo Top are about the same. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, good. So, if you're looking for another healthy ice cream variant to try, I recommend picking up any flavor of enlightened ice cream, one of Halo Top's primary competitors. Oh, this <laughs> Dude, ice cream is not supposed to be fucking healthy. I'm not looking to eat healthy ice cream. I'm having a special thing. It's like an ice cream. I'm having an ice cream, and that's it. I don't eat ice cream all the fucking time. It's not all I eat all day, and I'm not eating an entire pint of Ben & Jerry's. I'm having an ice cream cone because it's a delicious, beautiful thing to do. I'm not trying to like maximize my volume per calorie by eating something I don't want to eat. <laughs> I agree. I think that... People can get a lot out of a small serving of ice cream because it makes it all yes. the more. Um, it's so satisfying, intense. you know. Like or or like, if someone gives you a whole tub of ice cream and says, "Yeah, sure, you can have the whole thing," all of a sudden it's less appealing. If you can only have five bites, and those five bites are really good, and now you want more next time. I don't know. Um, I like the cone. I've, I'm really into the ice cream cone. Mm. It's such a delightful thing. It's in your hand. You have to eat it right now. It's dripping already. It's going to drip on your hand. You have to fucking eat yeah. it. And it's just so delicious, and it's so indulgent, and it's just like, here, eat your ice cream cone. It takes five minutes, and then it's done. Yeah. It's not sitting there trying to eat four or five points of Halo Top. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Uh, hey, to each his own. I'm not saying don't like things i don't like i mean that's fine it's more power to you but i'm not endorsing that shit yeah no like whatever you want just not halo top (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> like whatever you want. I'm just, it's disgusting to me. <laughs> you need to take off the to me part. You just, it's disgusting. All right. It is disgusting. It's disgusting to the guy with the microphone in front yeah. of him. So <laughs> that's why, that's why I get to shit on it. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, so, th- so this correspondent continues and I'm, I'm sure he's enjoying this. I researched Halo Top when I first found out about them. Guess what? The two co-founders are both former lawyers. Hmm. <laughs> Why are you researching? <laughs> it's either it's either good or it's not good. Anyways, sorry, I don't research my foods. Um, they meet in LA while playing in a. Pi- they met. Sorry, they met in LA while playing in a pickup basketball league for attorneys. The company's headquarters are still in LA, by the way. Good to know. These guys would make for very interesting LSAT think, thinking LSAT guests. I don't know them, but if anyone listening to this has a connection to either one, reach out and get them on the show. Okay. Dude, you've researched Halo Top. You know who they are. You should just tweet them or something. Both had been yeah. practicing corporate law for several years and neither felt fulfilled. So they decided to make some healthy ice cream. Like, it's not healthy. It's just... Yeah, it's one hundred percent not healthy. It's supposed to be a fu- it's supposed to be a treat. The fact that it's low calorie, it's just sugar. It's sugar water. It's not a healthy treat, and it's not ice cream. <laughs> it's none of this. So, dude, I seriously, it, they should not be allowed to sell it in a pint shaped thing like it's ice cream. They sell it. It's like right next to. It's like right next to the ice cream. It's like a hazard. They should put a warning. There should be like a warning sign. It should be in a separate section of the different store. Yeah, you should. It should not be even in the same. It shouldn't be sold in the same store as ice cream. It should have a Surgeon General warning on the side of it. Yeah, and something from California because California has banned yeah, and everything. It should say Surgeon General's warning: eating this stuff will make you sad. <laughs> That's what it should say. And it's not ice cream. So you're you're, you're deluding expecting yourself. to eat ice cream. This is not ice cream. Whereas ice cream will make you happy. This shit will make you sad. Okay. Okay. Um, Hmm. Anyways, how lawyerly of them. Wait, they decided to make some healthy ice cream. How lawyerly of them. That's lawyerly? Maybe that's sarcasm. Yeah. I sarcasm. Here's I a link to a piece on the company. How LA's Halo Top became, became America's best-selling ice cream pint. It's not ice cream. It's not ice cream. Okay, so anyways, that's by Ronald White if you're curious. The other thing here is um, – this is what I was thinking actually. By calling it healthy ice cream, it's kind of like saying that you're saving money by getting a half scholarship. Right? You're, not, yeah. you're not saving money. You're actually spending you know, $20,000 a year. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. All right. So what's going on? This still is going on about Halo Top. Well, that was just the link and like the subtitle oh, okay, or something. So that we can don't worry, don't worry about sure. that stuff. Lastly, oh, this email is going to end eventually. You'll notice that I used they instead of the formal he or she when using singular pronouns <laughs> in my writing. Wait, you were talking about two founders, so of course you're going to use they. And I don't remember any other time when you were talking about he or she. But we'll continue here. <laughs> I normally use the, quote, correct, close quote, versions in writing, but I thought this would be a great time to introduce a lively discussion on the show. Oh, yeah, this is good. Oh, it'll be yeah, lively. Trust me, right. it's going to get worse. 
because I actually have a stronger opinion about this than Halo Top. Given the recent trend <laughs> of alternative gender pronouns entering mainstream consciousness, why don't we just make the singular they the thing in formal English? I recall personally having to use they incorrectly as an elementary school student. Oh, wait, sorry. I, I recall personally having used they incorrectly as an elementary school student. And I feel that many, if not most, Americans use it in some capacity in their verbal communication instead of he or she. I bring these examples up because I think this behavior sheds light into how natural using how natural using they in the singular can be for many people. Here are my reasons for why we should adopt a singular they in formal English. Okay, we'll let you give your reasons, but I can guarantee you that both of us are going to disagree with them. So let's 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 hear it out. You get the first word. A. It makes for less awkward and offensive writing. Instead of using he his, which often pisses off feminists by suggesting implicit male bias. <laughs> um who okay. He or she, which is cumbersome, or her, which does nothing more than swing the pendulum of gender favoritism into the female camp. They, the word they, would remove the awkwardness that favoring or desperately trying not to favor a particular gender creates in formal writing. Uh, do you have anything to say about that? Uh, uh, it's so gross. It's vague. It is vague. It, it, it's not, it, it takes out the vividness of the writing. If you don't know the gender or if you don't care about the gender, then why don't you just use he sometimes and she sometimes? Exactly. That's what I do all the time. And it's great when you're, That's what I do too. When you're talking about two people or more. It's so perfect because you can use the he or she back and forth and you don't have to clarify which individual you're referring to. Yes, and for reparations purposes, I try as best as possible when it's a an astronaut or an engineer or something, I try to use she. And when it's a teacher or a nurse or something, I try to use he. Just because that might be the opposite of what the uh, implicit male bias would do. Sure. So I do try to flip it, but I try to go back and forth and I try to just be, I just go even handed. But then now you have a person. He is a person. She is a person. They, what is that? Yeah, it's, it could be more than one person. The collective. Yeah, this is, I, I really hate this. So let, let's read the next reason because the next reason is horrible. Be, reason B. It's short as fuck. One syllable. They. Yeah, they is one syllable, but so is he, and so is That's two letters. she. <laughs> That's three letters, and it's also one syllable. Yeah, I agree. I don't like he or she. If you're gonna go, if you're gonna say he or she every time, that's annoying too. Yeah, yeah. Just go back and forth between he and her. Stop. Yeah, on. the thing is, people need to stop fretting about whether you said he or she. We get it. There are he's in the world, and there are she's in the world. And in a case where it doesn't matter which one you're talking about, just use one or the other. We, we understand that sometimes it's a he and sometimes it's a she. That's it. Who cares? Yeah. C is reason C. It's broad. The beauty of they is that it can encompass so much. And it provides the reader with the option of painting a picture of the singular subject or object in their own terms. 
I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> yeah, well, you replace broad with vague, and then you're correct. Yeah. And replace beauty with horror. <laughs> or <laughs> and then confusion. that's also correct. Yeah. It can encompass so much because you have no idea what the fuck it's saying. Are you referring to two people, three people, all y'all, y'all, or he or she? Oh, man. So, uh, this correspondent ends. Thanks again for the kick-ass podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Sincerely, singular they enthusiast. Yeah, it's just... You're, you're, bottom line here is you have... Two, three separate words that have different meaning, and you're combining them into one word, you're losing clarity. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about read, readability. Yeah. And they is going to be less readable. It's going to be less vivid. It's just not going to, you're just not painting a picture. So please just use he or use she. You can use he all the time if you want. You can use she all the time if you want. I don't give a shit. Or go back and forth. That's what I do. Yeah. But please don't do they. It's just so gross. I don't know. Maybe I'm an old man, but just, it's just, it's so, it's just like mud. It's just, doesn't, it's what, I don't know. I'm struggling to describe how gross and boring it is. Yeah. I was thinking we could come up with a new word um, if people really want one. So instead of they, you could chop off the T at the beginning and then you'd have hey. And then you could use hey. Yeah, I mean, there are people out there who do weird things like that. Um, there, you know, pronoun choice is a big issue these days. And so there are people who don't like being referred to as he or she. Yeah. They have their own pronoun that they like to be referred to as. And sure, fine, I'll refer to you however you want me to refer to you. But when I'm writing and I'm talking about a, like if I'm doing an explanation of an LSAT question or if I don't happen to know the gender of someone and I need a pronoun to refer to them by, I am going to pick he or she arbitrarily and just sorry deal with it yeah one thing to think about here is we just took y'all and we split it into all y'all and y'all so that we could have more (laughs) nuance right you could really know what we're saying when we say all (laughs) y'all and what you're trying to do is you're taking words and you're trying to put them together so you're getting rid of clarity or nuance Eh, i don't like it um anyways thanks for writing in we obviously uh, disagree with you on a couple important points here, Halo Top and they, but <laughs> otherwise, keep listening. I'm going to make a sequel to the movie uh, Idiocracy. Idiocracy is an excellent uh, Mike Judge movie. Okay. Uh, par- parody of uh, our really stupid culture. Um, and uh, I'm going to make a sequel to Idiocracy where everybody eats Halo Top and says they all the time. <laughs> That's like going to be the perfect. <laughs> those two things go together perfectly. Can you get me some Halo Top? Sure. Did they go get it? <laughs> oh, I need I need at least four or five pints <laughs> of Halo Top for my dessert. <laughs> you're sitting there all fat and you're just like pounding down five pints of Halo Top and talking about how I can eat five pints of this and it has the same calories as one pint of Ben and Jerry's. I mean, this is such a better decision to make. Thank, thanks again for writing in. <laughs> We appreciate your email so much. Thank you. No, but we really do. Yeah, we do. You know, it's all in good fun. Oh, man. Good times. Okay, uh, next one, I guess. Um, Boy, who are we going to shit on next? (laughs) Dude, I don't know. Hey, guys. I might actually have to to hop off. 
Um, oh no, I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, so how? Oh, we can leave yeah, it there can, uh, if that's possible. Um, yeah, yeah, fine. Can let's see. So wait, what do we need to do to end? We need to say the episode number. Yes, this has been episode one twenty six. Thanks y'all for listening. Thanks all y'all for listening. Yep. Um, to episode 126 of the Thinking Else That podcast. It's been nice knowing you. <laughs> Don't pay for law school.